0: Oh, hello. <laughs> Family karma fam. Yep,
1: we're just catching up and just back from vacation.
0: I went on a vacation, guys. Wow. It was actually, I was telling Deanna that a vacation with like a 17-month-old baby is, or toddler is not really a vacation, no, but it was nice to get away. I went up into the mountains. It was beautiful and snowy and um It was nice to just like break up the monotony the whole time I was like on Instagram looking at like the family karma folks like out on their yachts in Miami just like like it looks on like full on non-COVID mode spring break (laughs) yeah like like spring break Miami down there. You, I I told Deanna before we started that I did want to you know our last podcast episode. First of all, Issa Ray tweeted about this our last podcast. News, actually,
1: this is this is the big news. Fuck the and, people storming the Capitol. We want to yeah, talk about that. this first. It,
0: but of course, it was like the episode that we recorded the intro the day before the insurrection, Right. and. We were talking about Kim and Kanye's divorce, which is now old news compared to what has been going on. And I just want to say, like, I know, like, as you know, this is a podcast about South Asians, Americans and pop culture. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are brown and black and people of color and I think we all know that like I know that as a brown person, if that had been me storming the Capitol, I would have immediately been labeled a terrorist Mm -hmm. and been shot probably Mm -hmm. like 100%. 100%. And like the thing that's kind of struck me about it too is that like anytime there's like a terrorist event in the US ever since 9-11 I have noticed that I get treated a little bit differently Mm -hmm. for like the months that follow. Like after the Boston Marathon bombing, I guess I'll tell this story really quick. Um, In the months following that, there was obviously like, I was living in Boston when that happened and it was an Islamist terrorist attack um, by Middle Eastern men. Um, But when you're brown, people just assume you're Muslim and Patrick and I were driving up to Vermont on a weekend, which we often did to see his family. And we got stopped for like a speeding violation in New Hampshire. Patrick was driving. A white woman was a cop. She stopped us. Should have just been totally routine give the ticket, send us on our way, whatever. Then she sees me in the passenger seat. She sees that I'm brown and she asks to see my driver's license. What? Have you ever heard Never. of a passenger getting asked to see their driver? Like, what if I didn't have a oh driver's my gosh. license? Yeah. And it was like, it was so clear to me what was going on in that moment. Right. And so, what I'm trying to say is that, like, the aftermath of that event. Affected. I'm sure I wasn't the only brown person that Mm -hmm. experienced that level of scrutiny afterwards. Like that follows people of color around like forever in America. And I can guarantee you that there, no one was looking twice at white people after what happened at the Capitol last week. You know what I mean? Like that's white privilege. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: White people can go and do something really awful like that and the rest of the race doesn't have to answer for it. Mm But that's not the case for people of color. Like you don't like we get side eyed after terrorist attacks. Um, And it's just that's just something that's been on my mind for the past week. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because it was upsetting for all Americans. It's upsetting to hear.
1: Yeah, I mean, like these fucking... They're basically domestic terrorists. I I don't even they know are. how they to. Are. I don't I don't even refer to them as anything else. Um, and, and it's so
0: crazy how people are hesitating to label them, right? That. Do you know what and I mean? Especially we need to
1: have headlines that
0: refer to you yes. know the term
1: domestic terrorists. Um, that being said, um, there's nothing that I'm taking greater joy in in watching these people um, get arrested.
0: <laughs> I know. Especially I that motherfucker
1: in the bison hat. Uh, you know? Was he
0: the one who had his
1: feet up on the desk? No, that was that was another domestic terrorist. Um, yeah. This is the one that people thought uh, was the lead singer from Jamiroquai. That <laughs> Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> that in fact he had to get on instagram stories and say that it was not him and that he is indeed british. <laughs> oh. oh my Did god. Did you not oh. hear about this? No.
0: Um, I yeah. totally missed this. Somehow. So um but um yeah. Deanna, you always have your finger on the pole.
1: I mean always about <laughs> it's always about bringing it to pop culture in yeah, some it- way. <laughs> Even these Pieces of dog shit at th- on the bottom of my shoe. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to steer it that way. Um, and, um, you know, I think people are trivializing it. Obviously, we can laugh about it. But um, mm-hmm. when you read articles about people's intent and what they had on them. Yeah. Um, this is a serious matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I don't think people that would listen to this podcast don't think it's a serious matter.
0: No, I think all of our listeners probably get it. And it's really scary that it happened at all. And I think we're all feeling pretty rattled by it. And um, we're excited about our episode for today, which is with Supa Agarwal. And she is... A comedian who is kind of on the rise I would say she's living in LA Um, she was really wonderful we talked to her actually a few weeks ago so if there's anything in this that sounds a little dated that's why right she was just like really lovely it was fun we just kind of like shot the shit with her and talked about all sorts of stuff including being a woman of color a brown skin woman making it in the comedy world and what that whole journey has been like for her she I think it's a it was an interesting conversation
1: do you want to talk about patreon yes
0: so we want to talk about our patreon also um we know we promised when we like kind of relaunched back in October that we were going to start a patreon with extra content and then Deanna and I like fuck we don't have time to do more then the we're episode busy that bitches we, do. we are busy ass bitches working moms just there's a lot going on Bass. but we B- busy love ass
1: bitches we,
0: <laughs> we love the <laughs> podcast and um, we just love bringing these episodes every week we can't wait to start recapping family karma season 2 all of that is so great and if you feel like hey i want to support these women and what they're doing we do have a like a dollar a month tier on our patreon page where you can just throw us like a little bit of cash every month to say thank you and if you want to sign up for that oh my god we would love you so that much incredible. that would be and we're it's honestly it's a dollar a month it's a dollar <laughs> enough
1: a month and maybe we could get five dollars i guess we can't split a coffee and have it together but maybe we could get a coffee and Pour it half and half, and then we sit six feet apart. And and then we'll take a picture and say, this was yes, because of there you. There will be <laughs> updates on the coffee. And I also just, um, we've been getting some new reviews um, yes. as new listeners come in. And I want to thank you for that. But just don't hesitate. If you haven't reviewed, wherever you get your podcast. five stars, say yes. a little something. Um, tell your friend.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell your enemies. <laughs> tell whoever you tell, want. Wh-
1: tell your dog and your cat. Tell your Could dog. you imagine <laughs> if we had a huge dog following? Oh, I would. I wouldn't want anything more from this podcast. I've been thinking
0: like I need to post some more content about my dogs. You on do. Instagram. There's, there's no excuse. Yeah, we do a dog I mean, post. Who doesn't love dogs. big fluffy dogs? And that's what I've got to offer you all. So. Mm-hmm. Um, The other thing that we wanted to just preview is we're really excited. Later this week, we're going to be recapping. We're resuming our recaps of the fabulous lives of Bollywood wives and we're halfway through the season. We're going to do... Is it weird
1: I kind of miss them?
0: I miss them. I can't wait to get back into it.
1: I don't know. Like, you and I, we're so into the house. Like, (laughs) again, and it's like, that is the missing piece. Like, if it's like Trivial Pursuit, you have all the pies and you're moving through the game and you're like, what's going on? And you realize you're Mm -hmm. missing like the blue slice of the pie.
0: And it's the fabulous lives of those Bollywood wives it's such a good show. If you haven't watched it, you really should. It's on Netflix. Um, we're going to recap episodes five and six, but not just on Mm-mm. our own. Mm-mm. So excited. Raj Viswani, who is Monica's dad, Huge is deal. going to... Oh, my God. He's going to join us for Maybe the Maybe Simba. Maybe Monica's
1: dog Simba. Maybe, Maybe Simba. we could get a picture. Maybe we could ask Monica <laughs> for a picture. I'm like not even kidding of Simba. Can we get yeah. a picture of Simba for...
0: And just hold them
1: up. No, just like, be like Monica. Because we're like friends with Monica. But like, do you think it'd be inappropriate for like, can we get a picture of Simba for our Instagram?
0: Oh, we're going to do a whole dog series on Instagram. All of the dogs of family karma. Oh, my God. uh, Fendi, Simba. I think that's it. Good Actually. No, Uh, Chini. Right. Chini is uh, Richa's dog. Um, Okay so but what's really what I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about is like Raj like is connected to the Bombay scene and so he's gonna have like a really good perspective on the show that I think neither of us Mm -hmm. have as like people living in America. I'm just gonna be
1: like taking notes and wearing my smart glasses because I'm just gonna try to learn so much
0: it's gonna be so fun so that'll be our episode next week and we have lots of other great content of course as soon as we hear anything about season two of Family Karma we will be the first to tell you um I I'm Again, I think season two filming has wrapped and they're probably editing. I'm I think it'll be in the next eight weeks, I'm guessing, right? I think it's gonna start around the same time as last year, which is early March.
1: And we're gonna do one more recap before it airs because not A recap but like an on update. everything
0: we know about what's going on with the cast, um, because we love them all and we're so excited. We're so excited. So with that, um, we're excited to present this episode with Supa Agarwal. She's really cool. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. And thanks so much for listening. so much. This is really exciting. So where are you based? Um, Right now I'm in LA. I was uh, completely
2: bi-coastal like New York and LA Mm -hmm. for a while but then like if you're not rich which i'm not it's like a total pain in the yeah. ass you know yeah. where it's like it's not like oh i have my new york apartment i have my la apartment and i have two suitcases with my shit in it <laughs> and my permanent mailing address was my ex-boyfriend's apartment so oh like, no no like, no but like yeah. this is like what i should preface that that it was like a u- unicorn relationship where um okay we were friends like we were better as friends than as a couple so now we're like uh, really good friends, you know, so he would like he resented me a little bit uh, when a lot of because I'm a, a Writer's Guild member and he was in the Actors Union. So he would be getting like three levels of the same fucking DVDs. <laughs> <for> <laughs> him. He's like, get your shit together
0: and get the fuck. Yeah, yeah.
2: it was so funny. I mean, we never lived together. He just let me do that because he was a nice guy because I, I needed a legal address. You know, can I ask us? Do you <laughs> yeah. still talk to him? Yeah, I do. Um, like once or twice a year or like, um, he's actually the one that like pointed me in the direction that I went as an actor. Cause he's like way more talented than I am. So sometimes I'll talk to him about acting stuff, but yeah, we're like, we're friends, but I'm also like, um, I mean, it's weird because I'm like, I'm like a feminist. Yeah. So I'm not like, oh, I don't want to like, but in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I don't want to disrespect my boyfriend. But I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know what I mean? But I'm like, yeah. I'm still no. like very like, it's, it's complicated where it's like, he is a good friend, but also like, he's like, can I send you a gift for your birthday? And I was like, no. absolutely fucking not. No. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Not a snowball's chance in hell, buddy. Uh- <laughs> has, he <tried laughs> to, <laughs>
1: has he tried to sleep with you? If you don't mind me asking since you broke yeah. up. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> So that's no. good.
2: Yeah. I mean, we really, really work better as friends than as a couple. You know, like mm-hmm. even when we were both yeah. super single, we knew if we like hooked up just for the sake of it, we would be fighting for three months. So like what was the
0: yeah. point? No. <laughs> you know? Totally. And we've all been there. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So where is your dating life now? Are you in a relationship I am, uh, or... i'm in a relationship he's uh i got lucky he's a total
2: sweetheart um yeah i never thought i'm still waiting for it to fall apart i'm very like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, he's very sweet and smart and like a good guy he's another comedian which i don't recommend but it happened anyway uh
0: but... yeah
2: yeah we've we're working um you know i get i get nervous because like we're doing so well now but like when things open back up like i am gonna go to new york for a long time i'm Mm -hmm. try i was trying to tour in europe right before the lockdown um like shut everything down and it's like he's cool because he is a comedian and he has his own headlining um weekends and he it's been a minute since he's been out on the road, though, for uh, family reasons. Mm-hmm. But I always get nervous that, like, this is where they get sick of my shit. You know
0: what I mean? Because I'm just, yeah, like, mm-hmm. not
2: available at all. I'm always worried about that. But I'm like, well, I'm going to just keep walking down this path and see what the fuck happens. Cause what else am I going to do? You know? I know, especially during
0: COVID, I know. dating is like- Wait,
1: did you, you guys didn't meet during COVID, though, right? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Cause that yeah. is. Well, yeah, especially like I'm thinking of not to bring pop culture into this, but my life is kind of like focused on pop culture, <laughs> like the Ariana Grande, st- Grande stuff. You know, their their life like is we've... so because she's engaged
2: mm-hmm. to, to who?
1: this real a ed- real
2: estate agent. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, I lost track after Pete. <laughs> That's fun. okay. You're supposed to not really follow this unless you don't have a life like me. Um, but like, yeah. yeah sorry to disrupt but yeah so she you wonder because they started dating during covid
0: yeah it it really accelerates things i think from what i've heard yeah and they're also
2: like they're super rich so it's That's like easy really for them to date point. during covid you know where it's like yeah let's just yeah. pay somebody to come and like shove a cotton swab up her nose Whereas, yes. like <laughs> my friends who i know that are trying to date during covid are going on
0: like six feet apart walks Oh my God, I know. Oh right. my god. <laughs> it's just like so funny. Or like a lot of Zoom dates. <laughs> so um you're the first comedian we've talked to, actually. So I'm just really curious to hear sort of like your backstory and how you got into comedy, like maybe the journey with your family, if there was one, or just all of it. We we'd just love to hear your history. Sure. Yeah. No, it wasn't um
2: good it was (laughs) i like the way it starts
0: (laughs) i'm not surprised i'm not surprised i mean
2: and like generations are like changing like i was joking about how i see like indian parents and their kids on like comedy teams on tiktok (laughs) like like, (laughs) watching it like a like veteran coming home videos just getting all emotional uh but (laughs) oh my gosh i love it it's yeah, no, I'm definitely jealous of this generation, even like in L.A. I mean, just demographically, things have shifted so much. Like there's a group um, that I'm tangentially they allow me to be participate in, but I don't do any of the organizing, but um, called facial recognition comedy. And it's a group of like South Asian female comedians in L.A. Oh, yeah. And the fact that there were enough of them to fucking put that wow. group together is, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like. <laughs> Coming from somebody who's been doing it for 13 years and what I came up in, I'm like, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So basically I um heavily bullied, like super awkward, super unpopular. Um, didn't go to temple because it was the same day as soccer practice, and I was obsessed mm-hmm. with being Mia Ham, like before my genetics kicked in, and <laughs> it was like this is um, <laughs> not Like, I really wanted to be her. I loved her. <laughs> I, so I didn't know a lot about my culture for that reason. And also like, there was some like, not even low key, but like, you know, like racism, yeah. like ingrained in the way I was being treated, being one of the only people of color in my community. And I feel like subconsciously I was doing everything I could to fit in with everyone around me just cause I was like, so feeling so isolated. And where was this? Where did you grow up? I was like in hour and a half Northwest of Chicago. Oh, wow. So like Illinois. Th- yeah. okay. So it was like, I d- would, didn't have access to my community because I wasn't in Temple, and then I was in a very uh, predominantly white uh, area. I picture so it just I, like
1: a John, you fitting into a John Hughes movie.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> I really, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh try real hard. Yeah. Um, but so it was kind of one of those things, and then we moved to a bigger suburb because we were initially in a smaller one, moved to a bigger one, and there was like a, a good population of Indian students, and they didn't like me because I didn't know shit about India. Yeah. And so... It, right at that moment where I was like, shit, dude, because, like, almost all of the races mm-hmm. hung out in their own cliques. Like, obviously there was some mixing, but it's, like, I ended up hanging out with the Koreans randomly. Uh, just like, <laughs> they felt bad for me, and I could help them with their homework. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was, like, around that time that Russell Peters, who I think was, like, for a lot of people, the first, like, South Asian stand-up comedian that a lot of us saw, and he went really viral online.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: um, yeah, everyone, all the Indian kids loved him, and so I kind of got it in my head. I was like, "Oh, if I could be like Russell Peters, the Indian kids would like me." And if I was a stand-up, I know how to tell jokes. People like funny people. Like I was like, and um, it was weird the way I was just so um, I don't know how to phrase this, but like socially challenged in a way. Like I, I had like. <laughs> like OCD type tics and I'm not like trying to misuse Mm -hmm. that term Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was just like you know like just real social anxiety things where I didn't know how to talk to people like I didn't have that skill and like literally some of the first big conversations I had when I was in school was like when I was getting into stand up and like thinking about like okay I'm going to tell this funny story and this funny story and this funny story on this walk down the hallway so it was almost like my first conversations were almost like setless in a weird messed up way um, so I became obsessed with it. I really wanted to do it. Obviously, I was forbidden um from even watching stand up. And my parents had an illegal cable hookup where like um <laughs> <laughs> I could record a channel that they weren't watching, you know? So and they didn't know Oh, it. okay. So I would record Comedy Central twenty first seven and then I would just binge. Yeah. And what watch were your and watch shows during like what year
1: are we talking about? Because you know um, and what was, were your shows? yeah it's changed yeah, i was 16
2: sure. so uh that, 2006 so it okay. was a lot of like comedy central half hours comedy central hours a lot of premium blends like cut up clips of comedy. was it, was it like Kim and like, eric stuff even like was that that kind of um, no i mean no i it was mostly just like all of the comedy central stand-up that mm-hmm. they used to have and um it was funny because most people get into comedy, I feel like, from their parents. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, I love this comedian. And I follow their yeah. albums. I had no idea who the hell I was watching. Because it was all on mm-hmm, yeah. Comedy Central. And I remember I was like, hey, you know that guy that does a joke about cigarettes? And, they're like, and some comedian was like, you mean Bill Hicks? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so embarrassing. Like, I just didn't know. Um, but yeah, that's how I... And then for like a year, I just wrote in my room and like watched stand up. Because I thought you had to be like 21 or something to get on mm. stage and
0: then, mm-hmm.
2: and then like we had this i think he was like a world history i don't know what his deal was he was an odd fellow but um he was like trying to look cool to all the high schoolers and he was talking about how he we <laughs> went to this open mic and it was like an all ages open mic in chicago and mm. i was like wait did you say all ages mm-hmm. i was like and then that's when i found out and um because we were suburbs kids, and I wanted to go into the city, all my friends were like, "Oh my god, you have to tell your parents. You can't go into the city by yourself. Like, don't do that. You'll get murdered." It's Chicago. which is fine. <laughs> um, <but> like, <laughs> I told them, and it was uh, two of my best friends. Um, one of whom I, I kind of see now and then, but like the other one, I don't know what the hell happened to her. She was like super into K-pop and stuff and like Japanese culture. Oh, and she I, ahead of her time. Like, wow.
0: Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. She was
2: like, I'm going to move to Japan. And I think she did. And I can't well, find her. But like-
1: shout <laughs> out to her wherever forever. she is. She was a visionary. People? Yes. She's the
2: visionary. I miss you. Uh, but they went uh with me to my first ever stand up show and everyone kept being like why are there two angry indian people here cuz my <laughs> parents were like furious the whole time. It was an open mic like most of it yeah. was not good. A lot of it was filthy and offensive and my parents were like what is this trash you've drawn yeah. us into. And this is like a fluke amongst flukes. But like the first set I ever did, I murdered. Like I crushed. I mean, granted, I've been writing for like a year, but it still wasn't good. I was like
0: 17. Um, And plus, I bet like when you write something down versus actually perform it, like I'm sure sometimes things don't hit the way you expect them to, and stuff like that. So that's awesome that it went so well.
2: Yeah, and I think that was like what really gave me the bug yeah. was like that feeling and um <laughs> my parents basically like forbade me from doing stand up comedy from there on out cuz they were like we're not which I totally understand from a parental perspective of being like, I'm not going to put you around these animals. Yeah. You know, like these people are yeah. and girls, and they're not wrong. Um, but what did they say about your set?
0: Were they impressed? They were.
2: They liked my comedy because at that point it was really clean. Mm. It was just making fun of my parents. I was essentially like a Russell Peters clone when right. I first started. Okay. I a lot of Indian mm-hmm. jokes um, just because he was the first one I had been exposed to. Um, so. Yeah, they but they still forbade me from doing it. And then I, of course, like I was really stubborn as a kid. And if I wanted to do something, I was going to do it. So I would just say I was going to like parties or whatever. And then I would sneak out and do open mics. Wow. And, like, I learned more and more. And then it was like before they had the scannable IDs and stuff like that. And people weren't carding that hard. So I was like mm-hmm. visibly underage, like with a backpack. <laughs> like <laughs> I look young for my age now. Like when I was 17, I looked like a child. <laughs> Nobody was bothering me. That's amazing. <laughs> Literally doing homework in the backs of bars before uh, open mics. Nobody bothered me. Uh, but yeah, so I was running around Chicago doing open mics every now and then. Eventually my mom caught me but this was like right before i was going off to college so they they couldn't stop me from doing shit um and she was like really upset and they were really upset with me doing stand-up like all through college like um you know saying stuff like you're mine but you're not really mine or like i'm embarrassing the family like even my brother showed my stand-up to his friends and was like they made fun of me for it like they were like how'd that make you feel Oh, I'm um, furious, absolutely yeah. furious um, yeah. and like really depressed and like, you know, it was just like being told that like, you're not like, I'm not her daughter essentially, right. you know, like that she, you know, it was just, it's it screwed up to here, uh, but it wasn't going to stop me from doing that. And um, yeah, so I went to college, was doing stand up all throughout college, moved to New York. And then like when I quit, cause I did get a degree and a job just because I didn't occur to me that you could just move to New York and like wait tables mm-hmm. um <laughs> my parents really made it feel like I was going to die um if I didn't I almost dropped out of college and then one comedian in New York was like you're a year away from yeah. graduating just stay what the hell are you doing um but yeah so I was like I did that got a job and then I quit like I just wanted a company to pay me to move to New York so I moved to New York immediately quit like 3 months in they were going to fire me anyway I was not doing my job <laughs> <laughs> my uh my mom would like call me crying begging me to go to grad school oh, like all God. this stuff and then it was around that time where like i like was talking about like boys and sex a little bit and like my mom thought i was doing it because like that's what female comics did like she didn't think i was actually doing that behavior mm-hmm. um, yeah and it got to the point where i just like I couldn't take her like commenting on every single thing I did online or trying to police me that way. Like my dad literally printed out a Google after I blocked them all on social media, he printed out Google images of me and then circled the photos <gasps> he thought were inappropriate.
0: And, oh my oh,
2: God. Is, God. This is unreal. I wasn't even doing anything. No. I'm not even kidding. I wasn't even doing anything. I was just like, Doing kind of like that squinty duck face, which is embarrassing on its Right, by right, right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, me <laughs> for that because that's obnoxious, but it's like it wasn't even like cleavage or it wasn't even like what you yeah. think of Instagram now. Like, I didn't have my ass out. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying I wasn't even doing that. Well, ideally, what uh-huh. would they want
1: you to be doing though?
2: My dad was like, "You should smile more, look more wholesome in your photos," and I was like, mm. "Yeah, and like be in metal." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was because the photos were like a little seductive. Like I was obviously trying to look good, so and yeah, then, you know. Um, so it was just, and it got to the point where like my mom called me on my birthday to criticize a stupid joke I made about um, the Kylie Jenner lip challenge. Oh, yeah. Um. I was like oh and my lips are too- huge and then I cut to a video of somebody else's camel toe and my mom called me screaming because <laughs> she thought it was my vagina and I was like first of all like, that's visibly not my vagina <laughs> that's There's amazing person <laughs> also who gives a shit. That sounds so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom did not. And I just like I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. Like I was just so mad that she would call to bother me about something that yeah. stupid, like pressuring yeah. me to take it down. And it was my birthday on top of it. And I just told her I wasn't a virgin at that <gasps> point. I was like I can't. Um, you just threw
1: it out there. So,
2: yeah, because I was like I can't do this anymore. And I don't know. I don't have to look back at my life and I'm filled with regret, but it's fine. <laughs> um, yes, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's because my parents were so harsh on me from such a young age that I was in the habit of being like, if I want to live, I can't yeah. follow. Yeah. So it, yeah. it was just a natural progression because, like, they were trying to stop me from talking to boys outside of school. Like, period. Yeah. And it was like I, when I grew up, when I was really little and obsessed with Mia ham, I was a little tomboy. Right. So, like. It happened Mm -hmm. that a good majority of my friends were men. And I don't mean that as a flex. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was just like one of the situations when I was younger. And then like, as soon as I got close to puberty, my parents were like, no, you can't talk to boys. And I was like, oh, fuck you mean I can't talk to Brad? Like it was just insane.
0: And that
2: started me lying because I was like, even when I got older and I got more female friends, there would still be men in the group. So it's like, what the hell am I mm-hmm. supposed to do? I can't tell you not to bring along your friend. You know, like, so I just got accustomed to being like, I can't be myself around you. And I always felt a little like I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of hiding or lying because like, I I straightened out and I became, <laughs> I became a valedictorian. But before that, I was almost failing out of every grade because I didn't like school. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I would like try and hide my grades. So it was like I was in such a habit of like just not being able to be myself and like not being able to Mm -hmm. live the environment that like I was just accustomed to living that double life and like doing what I wanted. And I ended up in therapy in college because and this is how you know you're messed up when a bunch of comedians sit you down and are like, "You're losing your mind." <laughs> uh, they're like, they're like Go with "No, therapy. but good yeah. for them." I'm so glad they. Uh, it was because I kept talking about running away from where. <laughs> <Like> I- <laughs> I, yeah i wanted to join the air force one week and then i wanted to oh my god oh, no i worked in a county fair when i was little so i was gonna run away and join a traveling county fair and they're like what are you gonna do and i was like i don't know onion rings yeah. they're like okay, okay. Like, the a fuck? traveling <laughs> county fair i really I looked that. it up I, I mean i was also very high on adderall yeah. but like i okay. packed a suitcase. <laughs> I up, like, what is happening um, but it was because I was finally having to um, merge yeah. those two identities. So it's like I couldn't yeah. keep being because in my head, it's like I was giving my parents what they wanted by being doing well in school. But then I was also doing what I wanted. And then when those two weren't mm-hmm. compatible anymore, and they were becoming the same person, it was like really hard for me uh, to accept that. What was did you like your therapist in college? He was really sweet. Yeah. Um. It was like completely like it was through some sort of charity. Yeah. Um. So it was like free and it was like he was he was an angel he was like yeah And how how, how did he tell you to manage the two
0: or combine them, or whatever. Um,
2: oh gosh, it's hard to remember, but like
0: I'm assuming he was like a white man too. Interesting. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so it's like
2: it may have been difficult it for was, him but to, he to like... know a bit about it. Like he was talking about how mm-hmm. this uncommon phenomenon amongst Asians and South yeah. Asians. Um, yeah, pressure to be something or achieve something in that gap, and how high the suicide rate can be in our communities because of wow. that. So he was familiar with it, which was good. But um, like,
1: what worked with for you? at that time maybe instead of like like how were you Um, able to just be like okay fuck it i'm gonna be me and
2: well it was more of like because i knew i couldn't not be if that makes sense so yeah yeah. it was just a lot of talking through like what do you owe your parents and like Mm -hmm. that sort of like G- you still have to live your life um sort of thing so it was just a lot of talking that out loud and can we
1: can we touch upon that because i know we have a lot of listeners that could be like struggling with the same thing of no no matter what age they are especially with their south asian parents that you know they feel like they need to be successful in certain standards like what advice do you give and
2: well when i my the first thing like even like saying that like I could feel it coming up inside of me. Mm-hmm. It was just like anger and pain. Like that was the first thing. So that's like my reflex is to be like "fuck you," yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which
0: mm-hmm. is just, like,
2: healthy, but it was, um, it was just a matter of knowing that I can't be somebody else. I just can't. Like I would literally be, I would, you know, essentially like killing off a piece of myself, right. and I don't owe them that like and what do we owe our parents anything i guess is the technically no i don't it's like this was your risk you had like you did your best i'm doing my best and it's like i you there should be a relationship where like i want to give back to them for what they've done and i Mm -hmm. love them and it's like i am going to support you and love you as much as i can without diminishing myself that's and really like great. yeah yeah
1: that's a really great way we
2: got to a point where we're cool now and like Good. it was really really difficult but um, did they ever go
0: to therapy with you no <laughs> just me mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have siblings mm-hmm. my but my
2: older brother is like a dream child
0: <laughs> so that's yeah. even harder right yeah yeah like
2: phd straight up like yeah. like indian indian like everything you
0: know then, like in terms of your career, um, you know, you were on season three of Westworld, you work with Lily Singh, which is really awesome. What has it been like working with her? And like, she's such an amazing South Asian icon.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was awesome, it was absolutely incredible. It- I've only had that one experience doing uh stand up on her show, but. Mm-hmm uh did she like
0: seek you out specifically or how did that yeah i feel like i
2: was i think i was like a last minute fill-in um because and this is like another thing just with like entertainment where it's like just being prepared and you never know um just because it is so random like I was supposed to film a different late night show. Like the booker was like, Oh, you're approved. The network approved you. And then we're going to film it in January. And she's like, just kidding. February, just kidding. March. And then she just stopped answering my emails after spending <laughs> a year, oh, a year with God. me, making me develop. the uh, set. Uh, what? And, wow. and like, here's the thing. I don't blame no. this person. Cause I'm sure there were like other factors going on beyond their control. And I know they had good intentions and wanted to have that set with me, but it was like a lot of work that amounted to nothing, which was really frustrating.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: but they were like, they weren't just wasting my, like they were trying to develop something with me. So I don't know what happened. Um, I didn't really get an explanation on that, but, um, that set disappeared. And there was like another bookers, like other booker, late night bookers where they give me a round of notes and then like the emails would drop off. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was frustrating but because I had spent so many years and I really wanted a late night set so like I was making different five minute tapes like throughout the I had like probably 30 40 minutes worth of like late night sets differently I different had late no
1: idea this aspect of it
2: yeah it's, it's yeah. a lot of work because it's not your typical stand up it's not like and especially yeah, be uh vulgar or like very right. divisive politically so that shit doesn't play on like family right. so I have to yeah. and choose and like try and put together cohesive sets and I'd done so many of them. And then I get like an email um, from Lily Singh's team being like, Hey, do you have a five do you have a late night set? And so I sent them one and they're like, that doesn't work for us. And I sent them another and they were like, okay, perfect. And they, I think they were like, can you film tomorrow? And wow. I was like, sure. Uh can <laughs> film tomorrow. I was in New York yeah. at the time. <laughs> so oh, my God. Wow. I, um, I had a couple stand-up shows that, uh, that night anyway. So I was able to run the five minutes. I'd try and remember that set. And then, like, fly back, I think, that very morning. <laughs> like going Wow. And it was, like, awesome. And it was, like, um, you know, just it was such a cool experience to get to do that finally after, like, I think like 11 12 years and like all the work i had put in it was so and then also to be able to do it on a show right. hosted by a south asian woman who was like mm-hmm. paving the yeah. way and g- like giving that representation of these opportunities to other people in our community it was just uh you know it was awesome <laughs> it was really so cool you've
1: been like you know you've been basically in the business for like 14 years i'll just say backstage like the comedians kind of looked like gender wise you know whatever wise versus in the last 14 years, like how has it changed?
2: It is. I think it has been like a complete revolution. Like I, w- I was talking about with like the South Asian yeah. women fi- forming their own comedy groups and all of that. And like, it is a little bit difficult for me because I'm like, I'm not famous, mm. but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm at a level where people still treat me a little differently than if I was nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see people's true selves when they're not intimidated Uh, Mm -hmm. you so I can Walk around and be like oh they're so nice But I don't know them Mm -hmm. I don't know how they really are Because they're afraid of me Um, (laughs) So I do have to like Put that caveat on it Um, Mm -hmm. But like pre But I can for Sure for sure say pre me too Movement like the way Women were treated the things People said to me like how Like scandals were treated Was just like completely absolutely different Hands down like it's just, and I'm so happy that hope the next generation of female comics won't have to go through right. the shit I went through. But
0: mm. no, it was
2: like ridiculous, <laughs> like it was bad. And I'm sure it's still there. Still are people who are like problematic and like things that need to change. But like coming from what I came from right. to like now, it's like wow, you know? Yeah, and honestly, like I do, and this is a thing because I'm like it's weird because I I do consider myself like young and progressive, mm-hmm. but I'm also not. Like I've been around a while and I don't know, I get frustrated and this is probably also as a comedian when people Jumped down the throats especially of older female comics um where it's like oh yeah you know what that joke doesn't really fly anymore but like I remember 10 years ago when nobody would have corrected this person they wouldn't have understood that this was like insensitive like they just didn't have that information mm-hmm. and now they're mm-hmm. like okay great you're giving them that information they can grow and I'm so happy they're going to grow and I'm happy this is changing but like damn, dude, like, you don't know what that woman did for you. Yeah. You don't know what she went through to pave the path for you. And now, because she's, like, not caught up to where she
0: needs to be, like, just give her yeah. – give them room yeah. to grow. Be a little patient, you know? Um, what has your experience been like as probably, I'm assuming, one of the only brown people in the yeah, world? Yeah, exactly. I
2: would say is one of – well, that 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 was that's interesting as one of the only brown people because, like – i generally and i don't know why in la not so much but like in new york there were a lot of like my best friends were like black comedians so i was very rarely in predominantly not not rarely i shouldn't say that but it wasn't like a majority of my experience you know i always felt like i was surrounded by people Mm -hmm. of color who i respected and like who you know um weren't ignorant of certain factors, but, um, mm-hmm. definitely early on when I first moved to New York, the alternative scene was super white. And that was, um, yeah, that wasn't great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, yeah, That
2: wasn't great at all. There was definitely some, like, uh, it's funny that like people who play super progressive are like still super racist and fucked up. Like, um, yeah, both in comedy <laughs> and of th- out of comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um like this one alternative space and this was second hand so i can't attest uh to it being true but they realized like this one hot alternative room where they're like oh this is a show everybody wants to be on in the alternative scene and i had a friend recommend me to that booker and um that this is second hand again but apparently the booker was like oh that person doesn't she do all the black rooms and apparently that was disqualified uh, for him shit you know
1: but were you surprised or were you like oh this is just like the comedy world
2: i was surprised it was that um blatant yeah i guess you know what i mean like just because I was like known for doing rooms up in Harlem and out in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. like that you wouldn't even consider me as being appropriate for your room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then like get to be like, Oh, well I'm not racist. Cause I have this one um, black kid that came up through the UCB who fits our narrative, but we're not going to look at people who play rooms in Harlem and in Brooklyn. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't like, it was just a lot, you know, I was surprised that it was, yeah, I was surprised. That surprised me.
1: Have, have have people, anyone, like, have comedians been
2: blatantly racist to you? Um, No, I think I deal more with misogyny than yeah. I do with, I mean, there are, like, and honestly, most, unless I'm doing the road, then it's a different culture but like most of the time in the cities like white people are afraid of being called racist so they don't say that shit to your face it's generally like subtle shit that you're like okay i'm kind of getting a vibe here um, now i want
1: to know about road culture
2: well you know it's like <laughs> you no know, it's more of like and and again like people don't do this with malice but it's like when i was in college in pittsburgh you know like white people would make It was their sense of humor where they would come up and be like, oh, call me Princess Jasmine or like whatever. And it's not like it's it's interesting because it's almost like their version of a joke. And they're not saying that I'm
0: less than, but it is still like. It's there, but it's right? calling you out for being different. Yeah, it
2: is, and that's kind of where it becomes like an issue. Oh um, and like it's a microaggression.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
2: It is. So it was that kind of like sense of humor where they don't understand why that bothers because they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, then you say something to me now." Like they don't get. But it's not. There's not a malevolent intent. There's just a lack of awareness. Is it usually men she... doing these things, or is it? Um. Well, I mean. It's, all kinds of people but it's not just white folks i think like the people who are most brazen like making racial jokes are people who aren't white because they know they're not gonna get called out on that shit yeah you know like um one of the most interesting one of the most racist jokes i ever heard was like this comic talking about how when indian women orgasm they sound like camels and there was a what? serious and it was a long act out and I they didn't know I was in the room so because I came into the show just to hang out late and like this comic stepped off and this wasn't white, this was not a white person, and this comedian stepped off stage, saw me, and apologized. And I'm like, if that's your first instinct, you shouldn't be <laughs> doing that joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh so, my. yeah, and it's like and it, it is, that that is they knew they weren't going to get called out because no white person is going to walk up to another person of color and be like, you're racist or like very few will. Wow. But so like they knew
0: they knew. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. Is it- But is that changing? Like, you know, when someone makes an obviously offensive joke to a minority group, whatever that is. Do comedians call each other out on that? Do audience members start to say like, hey, actually, that's not funny. Uh, Is that happening more? Uh, But
2: (laughs) it it depends. I think it really just depends. It's all over the map. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's so complicated. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, What do you have? This kind of caveats that. But maybe you can also answer like,
1: what do you say to uh, these older comedians that say that, they feel like they can't be funny anymore because comedy is now too socially aware.
0: Yeah. which we hear Um, a lot. I won't
1: say names. I have a couple names in my head, but
2: (laughs) I mean, all you have to do is look at Carlin. You know what I mean? Like he was actually, he was doing that since the jump, Um, you know, prior was breaking boundaries. That was socially aware. Um, I think what's changed is social media. Um, Mm. I really think that's what a lot of, And this is the thing I noticed, when you're a comedian and you get attacked Mm -hmm. through years of training, your instinct is to give it right back. That is your instinct. That is what you do when you're on stage. It is the split second. It's almost like an animal part of your brain at this point where if somebody says anything to you or says something isn't funny, you come back at them three times at hard or you're going to lose the room. So it's like we're trained to be that way, which isn't good, (laughs) you Mm know, outside of a stage context. So I see that a lot where like somebody will attack a comedian's joke and then they'll get super defensive. And I'm guilty of that. Um, I mean, I don't like talking about this too much, but it happened to me where I tweeted something I didn't realize was insensitive at the time. And then I got, like, hate mail, death threats, threats of physical violence, like, and it's hard when the blowback is so extreme mm-hmm. to sit there and be like, well, what can I learn from this? Like, it's mm-hmm. hard not to be defensive in the face of, like, such uh, an onslaught, if that makes sense, you know?
0: Yeah, but- that, that's a perspective that, you know... I'll just speak for myself like I don't always consider because I'm not the one who's gonna get like you know roasted Mm -hmm. for saying something really yeah, you know whatever it's Um, it's a
2: bummer because like it's like yeah I totally get and it made me more sensitive to it because I used to be on the other side where I was like just fucking don't do that or take it with a grain of salt like you messed up whatever but it is hard um you know, it's difficult and it's difficult to realize that you're doing something that is problematic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um whether you intended the joke that way or mm-hmm. not. Like if it can be read that way or if it's having that impact, it's not worth it, you know? So, it's just does that make you more understanding
1: hard. of these maybe even the old timers that can't change their ways?
2: Yes and no. Um cuz it's like because that's that's where I'm like having all yeah. this like it's so because it's like I, I get it because like people are being like oh well fuck you forever you're disgusting you're evil right. and it's like you might see what you wrote you don't see the thirty things right. like like J.K. Rowling is like you know famously transphobic at this right. point and it's like yeah heartbreaking to all those people who love Harry Potter but like she was talking about how she gets all these rape threats and all this shit i
1: unacceptable like,
2: damn yeah like and. If if like within like Whoa, the yeah. it's mostly gross. So let's look at like within 40 of those comments, like let's say 30 of them are just vile and disgusting. And then 10 of them are legitimate criticism that she should hear to grow. It's
0: hard. It is hard work mm-hmm. to like go through and read all that. Like, you know, yeah, it's hard to like have five people say you should be raped and then like consider the sixth comment with like without being super angry and upset.
2: Right.
1: And I think it's important. We're we're focusing. This is on women, too, where we go out in the world and we are afraid for our safety. You know what I mean? To just, like, even walk through a parking lot and let alone, like, you know, you as someone who's in the media and you make yourself available to a certain extent to have that thrown in your lap is unacceptable.
2: Yeah, and it's like, and I totally... And it's like you would hope that perspective would make you more empathetic towards the trans community that has to deal with violence and all that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just it's interesting. It's an interesting situation because, and I think a lot of the breakdown in our communication is because, like, I blame it on that social media culture where it's like people don't really talk to each other because of the way we talk to each other. The gut instinct is to get defensive, Uh, and like, uh, yeah. It's so hard because at a certain point, it's like, yeah, okay, like, I get why you defend your joke or the ability to make jokes and jokes aren't supposed to be like, and it it is complicated because people really they people don't understand that people get offended at literally everything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't remember who it was. Somebody was hosting a comedian was hosting a parade for veterans, and she made a joke about being sponsored by oatmeal or something because they're old, you know. And mm-hmm. a the veterans group got offended at her, and she was of like, course. "My father is a veteran. I didn't mean anything mm-hmm. by this. I was just saying the average age of the people in these associations." So it was just like people really mm-hmm. do it offended, and it's hard to parse out like whether what something you're actually doing is problematic or if it is just social media because that is also a thing so it's hard but at a certain point like especially with these disenfranchised vulnerable groups yeah. like if enough people are coming forward and being like hey this joke is having this effect like even yeah. if you don't fully understand it my point is why risk it when there's right so mm-hmm. other jokes that you could make and that you have made and it's like this especially when like and it has been i mean i mentioned trans people in terms of jk rowling but it, for whatever reason amongst older comics that's been like the line for a lot of them mm. where it's like i'm gonna make this joke and it's like this is a community that has been under attack right. from this administration that has uh violence being perpetrated against them or even famous people like and cox are getting harassed out in the street um suicide rates are insanely high it's like why what is what are you benefiting like what is the risk benefit reward ratio like is it worth yeah. it to really push the boundaries and why are you pushing these boundaries like what's your motivation to say whatever you want whenever you want like Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you can say this shit. Nobody's stopping you. It's like, yeah, because of Twitter, there's going to be somebody in your mentions. Like every time you do tweet about apple pie or whatever, which is like annoying. Right. But no one's stopping you. No one's deplatforming you. You still have access to everything. So what is quote unquote being canceled? Like, what are you fighting for? What are you fighting against? And who are you potentially harming? Well, it's
1: hard to hear like someone Uh like Jerry Seinfeld talk about being canceled. And it's like, uh, his ass is probably on. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's like, it's sad a joke? You yeah. know what I mean? Or
1: just like being <laughs> yeah. a, like, I can't do my set anymore. And it's like, dude, you've been doing your set on Seinfeld for like. <laughs> you said about airplane being What the fuck is he talking I know, about? I know, but it's just like, yeah. I, your ass is on television 24 seven across this world. So don't even like, so
2: you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that perception. And again, like, I can't stress that I keep blaming social media. I 100% mean that because like, it's your like narrow narrow world view like when I got criticism for that tweet I sent it was like it felt like it was everybody mm. and then I had friends who were like nobody around me knew what was going on it was literally mm. my viewpoint into the world because I had my social media so like you look at Seinfeld where it's like well I'm canceled and it's because he's getting nothing but this negative content streamed into his face and so he doesn't have he it's difficult. It's like, it's almost like media literacy mm. uh, amongst the older generation where it's like, no, 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 this isn't happening. You need to step outside, look at your mansion, know, look at that TV coming up.
0: Yes. And it's like, yes. you're
2: not canceled. You're not canceled. Canceling li- really isn't a thing. If we can't get goddamn Tucker Carlson off the fucking air, like, no, and no like, offense. But, and you don't have to <laughs> comment this on this in the,
1: being a comedian. If we can't get Louis C.K. like out of the realm, like, I know. Don't even, I, know. I don't even that's fucking like, talk about being canceled because his ass is is still, like, selling out rooms, you know? And and
2: you were talking about Sarah Silverman. Like, she handled her situation with so much grace, Mm -hmm. where she was, like... It's interesting where she talks about, like, leaving room for people to redeem themselves and grow. But also, that does not mean freedom for consequence. And she talks about getting kicked off of a movie because of a sketch she made back in the day that she now right. realizes is problematic and she was like yeah that was a consequence i don't begrudge them and she's grown and she's changed and i'm like that's that's i think the model for like how we need to handle yeah. these things where it's like accept the consequences you know and like, be like yeah. okay this happened totally get that i was in the wrong let's move forward and still and it's like she could sit there. She could have sat there and been like, oh, my God, I got canceled. But she did, right. you
0: know, and that. yeah, I think. Well, I think it's like that's how I try to approach this, because I think through me too, through like cancel culture and everything, we've all had people who we idolize, mm-hmm. like get torn down. Mm-hmm. And it's like you feel that moment of like, but I love this person, but this pro- Behavior is really problematic. So I try to look at, like, well, how did they respond? Right. You know, like, what was their response? And if, like, Jerry Seinfeld's going to respond, like, like a shithead, I can't do a set anymore. It's like, are you really that unfunny that you can't write new jokes? Like, what the fuck? You know, like, that's not an apology.
1: Or, or Louis C.K. I know I'm dragging Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is going to apologize and then make a, a whole set out of now. His-
2: what he fucking yeah. did this is interesting to me because like it's the same with any movement where like if you're only finding or only talking about the negatives of it yeah. that's mm-hmm. a problem to me where it's the same people who will sit there and be like oh i support black lives matter but look at what they did to target right like, how are you not talking about the dead people in the street um yes. so yeah th- it's kind of the same thing uh, to a lesser extent because we're just we're talking about jokes. Um, but yeah, well, when yeah. it comes to cancel culture and all of that, where it's like, well, let's talk about the good yeah. that's come of it by this quote unquote cancel culture or call out culture, where it's like it's shifted. Like, hey, maybe white comics stop saying the fucking Edward. Yes, you know? oh like my it's God. Not, yeah. That's, yeah, Like, it's, it's not edgy. It's not like maybe stop. Like, that's a positive that has come from this, and um, just like shifting the way um people talk about women, male comics talk about women. Mm -hmm. That was always something that was super hard um, for me, especially coming up being one of the, when I was younger, like hearing the way they were just talking about women completely unchecked and how that's evolved and changed and like been like a positive experience for like the women in the community and the women who have to listen to that shit. So just in terms of like education and awareness, like good things have come from that from becoming more aware of um how your comedy impacts the audiences which is literally our job as a comedian understanding how we're yeah. impacting the people listening to our words so and then of yeah. there are the negatives there are the negatives to it too like um Nimesh patel got booed off of a stage or his mic got cut mm. at a college gig because he was telling a joke that was in favor that was talking about how hard it was to be i think um black and then also a member of the lgbtq community how you have two forms of systemic racism like that was the point of the joke but before he could even get to the punchline they cut his mic so okay it's like yeah there is yeah cancel culture does go too far call culture people are wrong like just because you are offended doesn't mean you're in the right that is true but just because you are offended doesn't also mean you are in the wrong like it's a nuanced situation not everything is black and white and like good does come out of trying to be like hey let's not be pieces of shit and punch down with our comedy like what's the what's the issue there so are you
1: still sitting uh like waiting to go on or hearing other comments that you're like fuck you're like stuck in the stone ages like or is that kind of non not happening anymore
2: um no it still happens uh (laughs) (laughs) and
1: how do, do you confront like you did the other comedian do you confront them and you're like no this is fucked up
2: no i don't um just because like yeah, I really don't. Unless I'm, like, friends with somebody, I'm probably not going to say something to them.
0: Um, well, that takes energy from you. That's actually a really know. good
2: point.
1: I didn't think about
2: that. Unless it's extremely – if it's something that's extremely fucked up, I would probably say something. Especially if I'm on stage after them, I'll just make fun right. of them. Um, that's the yeah. <laughs> uh, to do that. But, um, yeah, unless it's something where I'm, like, I, I would – I would feel bad if I allowed this person to continue saying this, I'm generally not going to confront somebody about something just because like, number one, like it does take energy from me. I don't know this person. I don't know how they're going to respond. And like, I don't want the reputation of being like, I don't know who this person or how is, how Mm -hmm. they're going to talk about me, who Mm -hmm. they know. Like I just, um, yeah. And it's like, and maybe that is kind of like a, a, a hangover from coming up in a generation where there was no recourse, Mm -hmm. there was no me too, there was no, like, whatever, like you speak up, you get punched down three times as hard. So I think part of that is a hangout uh, like still left over in me where it's just like I'm I'm tired. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm so tired, and I don't want to have to have these conversations or educate you. Like I just, it's almost like I'm trying to survive and work. Right. Like at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, I'm just trying to survive and work. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes that I'll see comics who are like way more outspoken than me, and they are doing good by being outspoken. And like I try to speak up, but. I'm definitely not as good about it as uh, some comics are, you know, where it's, like, some comedians where they're, like... um, But then again, like, these people are also way generally are further along in their career Mm. than I am. It's a mix. But, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, I'm not going to perform on the same lineup as X, Y, and Z. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, but then I'm down a show, yeah. and I just took away my own stage time. So what am I doing here? Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's hard.
0: Um, what was it like being on the set of yes. Westworld? Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, that was shocking. <laughs> yeah, how did that all come together? Um, so
2: literally on Friday, I was. <laughs> I mean, they can't fire me now. Uh, the show got canceled. <laughs> the time, but the I was in a writer's canceled? room. No, not Westworld. Oh, I think actually I don't know. I think Westworld got renewed. The show I was writing was writing for a show, Uh, (laughs) and like I uh, I was supposed to audition in the morning, and I called in to work, said I had a headache, and then like Mm -hmm. um then I get a call last minute. They're like, hey, the casting director is sick. You have to do a self tape, and I was like. It looked like, i had um really nice like he was my boss's assistant but he helped me do a self-tape on my lunch break and wow. so like i i did the self-tape with him on my lunch can break, you explain for it.
1: people that not in the industry what
2: a self-tape mm-hmm. is oh it just means you're taping yourself as opposed to going in front of an auditioning for a casting director you're just doing it like either with a friend or an acting coach, somebody reading lines and you're just taping it mm-hmm. for them. Okay. To look at. Got it. Okay. So it was like the, <laughs> my boss's assistant, like recorded it. <laughs> and um, I submitted it. And I think, actually, I don't know if that was on Friday. I think it may have been like a couple of days went by, however long it was. And then like literally on Friday, I found out I booked it wow. and they were like, yeah, you're going to come in and film on Monday. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, shit, guess I'm having another headache and not showing up to work. But it was just like... Yeah. It was oh,
0: my God. so
2: sudden. It was, like, really sudden. And I think because it was so fast, I wasn't really intimidated, right. if that makes sense. I was just so shocked by all of it and so excited. And, like, it was a smaller role. It was like a co-star. So there wasn't that much I had to do. I do think, like, being across from Ed Harris made me a little stiffer. <laughs> Than I would have liked to have been where it was I'm like very I don't attracted feel like I was...
1: to him. Is he attractive? <laughs> I I say this about he, everyone we talk about. He's a hot about. older guy. For is he sure. hot in person or is not so much?
2: Uh, I mean, he's a little old for me, <laughs> but yeah, he still has that. He <laughs> uh, he was so nice and so and so and that voice. Oh my god, that voice. Yeah he's he's incredible so it was like
0: yeah it was
2: great um i was excited with it they seemed happy with me even though i was a little less in the moment than i should have been uh but Mm -hmm. like it was yeah it was awesome um so it was just very but that's how i feel like a lot of this shit is where it just feels so random but it's Mm -hmm. also like you've done the work like i've been Like studying Meisner and like going to an acting studio for like a couple of years at that point. So like, and then it's just so much of nothing. And then all of a sudden, when you get something, you're like, really? (laughs) Yeah. Weird,
0: you know. What? Um. So you wrote for a show for a little while. Mm -hmm. What show was that?
1: Uh, the Jim Jeffery show on Comedy Central. Oh wow! Yes, 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 yes. And that's
2: canceled.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's too bad. What was it like being in the writers' room for that show?
2: Um. It was a. It was like um, my first, I would say, late night type slash news show. So I was really excited. Uh, I think when we started getting wind that the show might not be renewed, that environment got a little sour uh, just because it was stressful. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I was really excited to be like, and it was my first guild job. So I got insurance, which was Mm -hmm. like, Amazing. Yeah. I was so relieved. Thank God. I mean, I'm happy for obviously I support Medicare for all and insurance and all that, but being on state run, <laughs> being yeah, on New York's yeah. insurance, my doctor was literally above a toy train store and underneath <gasps> a salon that ended up getting busted for doing oh hand jobs. Like that. God. Was, <laughs> I was like, thank God for guilt insurance. You know, I was like, yeah. I never want
0: to go back to that dude. <laughs> totally. And so you're, like, focused on performing and writing for new shows, if you can, at this point. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm – because, like, honestly, late-night variety writers, I feel like we kind of get the short end of the stick. And, like, it's just – it's really cutthroat. It's really competitive. It's, like, um, a lot of people don't try to move into scripted uh, for that reason just because you get treated better. So Mm -hmm. I – been doing the same like i've been trying to push into scripted but mostly i i really want to sell my own show but of course everybody does yeah um but i also like now i'm a little more interested in acting um just because like It's newer to me uh, than being a writer. I like really enjoying it and loving the process. And like, I just want to explore that more, so.
0: When you go for auditions, like are they looking for a South Asian woman or is it like, how does that work? Cause I remember like when I was in middle school and they were like, you should be in the school play. I was like, I can't do that. Cause I'm brown (laughs) (laughs) and all these roles are white. Like honestly, no, I'm curious. Uh, it was like hair or some shit like that (laughs)
1: you're doing hair in 7th grade
0: okay it was something else but you know like (laughs) what I'm trying to say is that most roles are for white people for real so like what do you see as someone doing it
2: well the bigger roles like the lead roles I actually get auditions for are generally they're looking for South Asian women that's when they'll open the door to somebody who's like unknown okay to play a bigger part. Most of the co-stars I get are um are co-stars or guest stars. Those are, those can be open ethnicity or I can tell um it was written mm. for a white woman and they're like, well let's just try this out. Uh but like, <laughs> it, it, there's been and it's sad and I don't think I'm wrong on this, but I saw a noted shift in auditions when Trump got elected. Oh. Because I feel like Hollywood in America took a look mm-hmm. at itself. And like that was kind of a cat for whatever reason, people needed that uh, as a catalyst to change. So I think there was a bigger push in Hollywood for diversity just because people Mm were like, are we this? it's like yeah a little bit um like more auditions started opening up to me which is amazing um you know and like Mindy Kaling is making like 70 shows so yeah I know
0: (laughs) I was gonna say like and she's like posting casting calls on her Instagram and stuff like so that's really cool um would you like what would be kind of like your dream acting job or do you even have one
2: I, I don't know. Um, I think I just have, there's so much I want to do that it's not just like one dream where it's yeah, like yeah. having trained in Meisner and like mm-hmm. done theater training. Like I really would love like a deep, serious role mm-hmm. to like lose myself in and like sink my teeth into, you know, like some Nicole yes. Kidman type, my life is on fire shit. Like how fun. To, I know. Like, just, oh my like, God. God that drama those stakes i mean i'm sure it would age me but i would fucking love it you know (laughs) um so like i want to do stuff like that but i also really love comedies like my favorite thing to watch are comedies especially when i'm all stressed out 24 7 so it's like getting to be in like what we do in the shadows or like curb is also a dream you know yeah yeah there's so many roles that i would love to do but so i don't know
0: So that's interesting. Actually, as we're talking about like more leading roles for South Asian women, even most of them are in comedy Mm -hmm. roles. Like you're not seeing like the brown Nicole Mm -hmm. Kidman coming up (laughs) yet, you know, like, and that's because who's the closest that that's like that? Like, I can't think of a South Asian woman who fits that mold yet. I think Girl. it's going to be it's, you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I hope so. But it's like, maybe like um, Kalinda from The Good Wife. Oh, is the yeah. Is closest. I haven't seen The Good Wife. Um, Archie Punjabi. She mm. she played a pretty serious role. But it's like I'm thinking of Mindy. I'm thinking of Jamila yeah. Jamil. Like, yeah. they're all comedy roles. That's so weird. And it's like, to me, I'm like, are people taking brown people serious enough? <laughs> that's where <laughs> i go i mean yeah that is so weird that is weird i mean they do have indian dudes playing serious roles um, right the sexist thing comes into play a little bit too so right i mean hopefully,
2: i know um there's a actor slash writer director named sujatha day who was um oh yes we're gonna interview her soon yeah she's awesome well. yes uh, but she wrote, a, I think I still have to see it. Um, Her movie. Definitely,
0: maybe, or,
2: defini- or Defin-
0: definition, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. we're going to watch it. But I, that
2: was uh, that was all drama. So I know she wrote a pretty juicy role for herself that she nailed from all the reviews and articles I've seen. So, like, right. I mean, good for her for creating it for herself. Um. So at least there is some of that going around. But, like, yeah, yeah it's weird. It is right. weird that it has been primarily in the comedy space. That's odd. And it's, it's, Oh, Why? you know what? Yeah. We do have, um, oh my God, she married the Jonas brother. Who is she? Oh, Priyanka. 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 Did yeah. that, um, yes.
0: Detective show. So there is, yeah. Right. right. Yes. Quantico. <laughs> she
1: married a Jonas
0: brother. Kill me.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. And then we're all like, yes, we know who she is. I think it's, it's really interesting how camille is making the jump into like is he doing marvel right now because he has his hot bod
0: like he that is, is to me yeah. like, from
1: the comedy universe what did you okay this like stud marvel character
0: what was your first thought when you saw that photo of him like, tell me you've seen the photo where he's Jacked. shirtless 100%. and his veins uh, is... are like,
1: I, well, I think as a female, you're either you're either into that or you're repulsed by that. And I'm if, I know you're not asking me, but I am <laughs> okay, uh, men with good bodies really scare me like that is like <laughs>
2: What about you? That's so funny. I mean, I love a, a dude with a good body, but I've known <laughs> like I've known Kamel or like for a long, long time. So when I saw that, it just made me laugh really hard. I was I like, know. what are you? Doing? Oh, so I mean, you're buddies he, with him? Not well, it's a very one-sided <laughs> relationship. It was best friends. Best I friends. watched him. <laughs> Best friend, so didn't answer my letters uh no but um, I've, I've like watched him come up but i was always on like like i was an yeah. open maker when he was a headliner so mm-hmm. I, I knew who he was and i knew him throughout the years and I followed his career and then like he just like has rips all of a sudden. i was like what are you doing i mean amazing. he looks amazing you know <laughs> he looks smoking hot you know like
0: <laughs> like you know <laughs> yes. but
2: it's just like it just made me laugh
0: what is this? I know. I honestly I thought it was photoshopped. I was you like did? I was like, that is not real. Like But
1: Indra does it turn you on. No.
0: That that level yeah, okay, is like okay. there's some <laughs> steroids going on. You maybe. Maybe. So, I'm so actually naive. I don't I don't think so because I heard him on Dak Shepherd's podcast and they just like talked about working out for a really long time and it was like he was just but, like very regimented with what he was doing. But eating that's the and thing. And everything. It's
1: like what we talk about. Like when, so Indra and I watched The Bachelor at, and it's like, I couldn't date <laughs> yeah. any of these dudes because it's like you get hammered and you start going into the cookies and you're eating <laughs> sleeves of them. And they're just like yeah.
2: looking at you like you're judging yeah, like you. Like a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. I've, I've dated a lot of, not a lot of, uh, a fair amount of ripped dudes.
0: Uh-huh. And it's like,
2: Where are you going? I don't know. It's just weird. And what are they ordering? Yeah, you're not. I'm like, you're eating tuna out of Tupperware. What are you doing? Yeah,
0: no, not a good look. Not a good look. Well, this has been like so lovely.
1: (laughs) This has been really fun. This has been so fun, just us girls.
0: I know. I know. And can you plug your all your shit? Plug it all. Yes, please. Instagram, everything. Um. Yeah, right now my
2: Instagram is, uh, sorry, Subhaha, I apologize, it's (laughs) S-U-B-H-A-H-A, and then my Twitter is just Suba, S-U-B-H-A-H, and those are the two I'm the most active on, like I have it, TikTok. (laughs) It's COVID, it's COVID, (laughs) so. But yeah, right, uh, Twitter and Instagram are the ones I'm most active on.
0: Awesome, and so people can find out more about what you're up to on there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank yeah, you it was so really much. Wonderful to meet you. No, thank you for having me. This is fun.